All right, so every once in a while, Ari, I get uh, some nice calls from people that uh, have listened to the show um, and have read my books, and particularly Atheism Kills. They really, it really has changed their lives, and I'm very happy about that. I mean, who, as an author, you're always happy to hear people saying that you really affected uh, the way I think and even changed me into a believer. I mean, that's the ultimate, right? Um, and, you know, my main mission of Atheists and Kills is not necessarily to change people into God believers, although that's always a nice thing, but at least to appreciate how dangerous atheism is, that in effect it is a, a malevolent force in society. It's not just a decision to, ah, oh, you know, I don't believe in God, you can believe whatever you want, and I'm cool with that. No, your non-belief is a danger, okay? Just like if you don't take care of your house, you're going to get rats in that, and the house will collapse. You have to tend to your garden, as it were. Uh, but anyway, so people call in, and every once in a while, and very often, actually, I get people asking me about the how firm they should believe uh, they should be in terms of being outspoken about their religious belief in terms of the politics and so forth and they say they're worried about losing business so whether it's a lawyer a financial advisor a dentist a doctor they're worried about you know speaking their minds or at least showing a picture let's say as I have, I have a picture of uh, myself with Glenn Beck, for example. Uh, I have a picture with me and Dennis Prager. Um, and if I had a picture with Ronald Reagan, I'd be very happy to, to, to put that up in my office as well. Um, and I'm not afraid, and I, I'm actually quite proud of it, so why would I not put this up? And more than a few clients, who are some of them, whom are professionals themselves, have said, you know, I'm just, I don't want to lose the business. I don't want to, I'm, I'm afraid that it will it'll boomerang back on me and I'll, it'll be bad for me. And I say to them, first of all, when it comes to me, um, I've, I never for a moment thought I might lose business because I'm an outspoken conservative. Um, I, I, I didn't think that way. Instead, what I found, Ari, is that I get much more business especially from the conservative community and much more business from the religious community. And the liberal community doesn't listen to me anyway, right? They barely know who I am, which is fine. So I still get business from liberals. And to the extent that a liberal doesn't want to do business with me because I'm a conservative, okay, maybe I don't want them as a client anyway. Right? I mean, look, the bottom line is I don't care where the politics are of my, my uh, barber, right? The guy who cuts my hair. What, what does that matter? The only politics that matter in that case is can he cut hair? Yeah. Right? Is he good? I, I don't care if he's a transgender, pro Muslim, uh, you know, whatever, communist, and an atheist. If he cuts my hair really well, I'll, okay, fine. I'll pay, and I'll pay you, not only will I pay you what you asked for, but I'll pay you a nice tip too. Okay, that's it. Same thing with my Uber driver. Same thing with my, uh, I don't know, heart surgeon, if I ever, God forbid, need heart surgery, and so on. Yeah, the okay? guy who owns the cheese store in Beverly Hills, which is the best cheese store in the country, yeah. probably. Yeah. His name Norbert. 
He's famous. Yeah. I walked in there with my um, Socialism Sucks t-shirt, and he scoffed at it. Because he's a socialist, despite running an incredibly expensive cheese store that has bottles <laughs> of wine that cost 2400 bucks. Right, exactly. I still buy cheese there because yeah. the cheese is good. And he still care. sells it to you because your money is good. How and about because that? Because he's really a capitalist, despite <laughs> of course what he says. Is. Of course, it's all absurd. <laughs> you know, it's, they, they have, you know, these people that, that claim socialism, especially among the, the, the rich and elite, you know, they have the, the luxury of being a socialist. You, if you are, you know, middle income or less, you don't have that luxury yeah, of being able to spout off nonsense, <laughs> socialist nonsense like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, buddy. Now give me my effing money, yeah. right? This is the value of my services, and I'm better than everyone else on this. And you, and you shouldn't complain that this ice cream, for example, it, it costs fifty cents more than the one down down the street. If you don't, go, go, go there, okay? So but don't all... tell me that ice cream is ice cream. It ain't, okay? Don't tell me that a haircut is a haircut. And don't tell me a lawyer is a lawyer or a doctor is a, do- a doctor and so on. It's, it's capitalism. It's about providing the best services possible at the best, most efficient price and everyone winning, okay? So, but, but I don't want to get far afield, as we often do in, in this Brock Larry podcast. Um, the point is that people are afraid to be who they are. So I said, and such a gentleman called me the other day, a very nice man, and he was talking about atheism kills, and, and I said, um, are you an outspoken, he said, you know, it's really tough, because he also lives in Los Angeles, he said, and it's really tough to be uh, comfortable about his uh, republicanism and his Christian, uh, Christian-ness, if you will. And I said, let me ask you something. Are you a straight male? And he said, yes, I am. And I said, so you like women, right? He goes, yeah. And I said, let me guess something about you. You like your women to be women, right? You like them to be feminine. Yeah, sure. I like a, you don't like a macho woman. You don't like a woman, you know, scratches her groin and doesn't uh, shave her legs and whatever it is. You like a woman to be feminine. Takes care of herself. Looks soft a little bit. Speaks like a woman, right? Doesn't have a husky voice. Or a streak of pink hair. Right, exactly. Whatever it is. You like that, right? And he goes, yeah, that's, that's very sexy to me. Yeah, and you like her to be pretty, right? Like a woman. Yeah. I, I don't want her to be like me. And I said, uh-huh. And you, you understand that women like their men to be masculine, right? They don't mind a little bit of uh, scruff on their beard. They don't mind them to be a little bit uh, unkempt once in a while. They, they don't have to be perfectly quaffed. And they like them to kind of talk a little tough once in a while and, and uh, kind of flex a little bit and be a little dirty once in a while in terms of, you know, going out and mountain biking or whatever it is, sports, going, going hunting. They kind of like that, right? Because, yeah, yeah, they do. So I said, why don't you do that with your Christianity? Why don't you be as Christian as you can be? Be proud of your Christianity in the same way that you're proud of being a man and that you want to be a man for your woman. Be a Christian for the sake of other Christians. Don't be wishy-washy about your Christianity and have people wonder who you are. Be proud. Just, in fact, be as proud about being Christian as you are about being a man. You're not making any apologies for being a man, are you? No, absolutely not. You don't walk around with dresses because you want to show that you're you're jiggy with, with womanhood. No, you walk around as a man. 
okay? And you dress like a man, you talk like a man, and you're interested in man stuff, right? Right. Do the same thing with Christianity. And he said, I, I never thought of it that way. And I said, do the same thing with the conservatism. We need your voice out there. Other Christians and other uh, Orthodox Jews and, and, and devout Jews, for that matter, like you and I are, Ari, and uh, conservatives need to see you proud of being conservative and a Christian. Yeah, normal people need to see normal people out there. Right. So they don't feel alone. Yeah, you, you cannot feel alone. And also you can model for them what works. And I, and I can tell you, when I was an atheist, and, and it's, it's going to sound funny to hear this, but there were four evangelical Christians, born-agains, they call themselves. They were the ones who helped me find God. Not from a Christian sense, right? I mean, I'm, I'm devoutly Jewish. I don't believe in Christian theology, but they really helped me see God. And the way they did, Ari, is because they were very comfortable about their belief in God. They, they made no apologies for it. They said, you know, God is very real. God is as real to me as you are sitting right here, Barack. And, you know, that, that really ran afoul of my belief in atheism at the time. But these guys were pretty dead set. And I, I mean, this is at Stanford. They're intelligent people. They were intelligent enough at least to get into Stanford. And I thought, wow, how could, how could Christians, people believing God, be this bright Right? I mean, that, I mean, literally. One of the greatest stupid statements of your life. I right, it, well, right, it was. Oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll go even further. When, when I was an atheist and really devout, and I you know, had an atheist girlfriend at the time, I said, boy, I hope I'll never be so stupid as to one day believe in God. Yeah. Right? And of that course, was here right, I am. That was right up there with mine. I'm not a communist. I just want it to be illegal for people to own stuff. Right? <laughs> exactly I mean, right. wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's the gist of it. And... But the strength that I saw in these young men, very young men, and the confidence with which they spoke it, I gotta tell you, it really struck me. And they served as a model. And at first I, I mocked them, and then I began to really like them. I respected them. We became good friends. Yeah, first and, you were Homer Simpson vis-a-vis Ned Flanders, and you realized, oh, crap, might be Ned something. Flanders does have it all together. No, but, but it was really a love story in many ways. Yeah. Um, they were nice guys, really smart, and. And, and, every, and sometimes I came back and I had a, an issue and I, and, and I remember one of them, his name is Kurt. And, uh, and he says, oh, is, you okay? It had nothing to do with religion. Are you okay? And he goes, uh, and I said, ah, just had a bad day. I just got in an argument with my girlfriend. He goes, hey, you want to talk about it? And so we talked a little bit about it. It had nothing to do with faith at all. But the confidence with which he spoke, you could still tell that his faith was behind him. Anyway, we became friends over the years. Uh, over the year, one year. And in the meantime, I was studying and doing my thesis on Dostoevsky. And I remember reading the book. And it was, the book is really about free will at the end of the day. that it, it was a proof that we have free will and free will can only come from God. And then I remember coming out of my dorm room and knocked on, I went to their dorm room, which is down the hall. And I said, guys... I think I want to tell you something. I think I believe in God. And they were like very pleasantly surprised. And they said, welcome. Well, that's really great. If you want to talk further about it, that's so awesome. And I, I, I went with them. I was really embarrassed at first. And then I just said, I feel so, so stupid now that I didn't see this all this time. 
And they said all the same thing. That's the way we felt. Like, we now see more than we ever saw before. We're not limiting ourselves. We're expanding ourselves. But I said, it's your confidence that helped me. I mean, I, that you modeled it for me. And likewise, in law school, I remember there was a conservative. I was not a conservative in law school. I wasn't you know, some sort of massive lefty or anything, but I, I remember this one student, his name was Augie. That was his nickname. And he was clearly a, a conservative, nice guy. But every time the professor, and there were many liberal professors, would say, spout off some nonsense like this, Augie would just chime in and he would say, nope, not that way. <laughs> and he would say, have you thought about this? And what about this? And what about that? And, you know, he was the lone voice and everyone wanted to kind of portray him as this kind of... Right-wing nut job. He's a nut job and he's just cantankerous for the sake of being cantankerous. Um, you know, like Grandpa Simpson somehow. You know, one of those guys. And, but I, I liked him. I, I thought, no, he's, he's holding true to his form and he's, he's actually bringing out facts that the professor is not really addressing. I like that. And I found myself doing very similar things to what Augie had been doing. And then I, I thought to myself, and I, I didn't quite tell it to this guy who called me yesterday, but I would say it to you and I would say it to our listeners, I want you to think of any one of your heroes, not necessarily Churchill, although, although that would be fine too, but people in your life that you really respect Okay, and you and me included, Ari, because I know that we have an impact on people. Think of anyone that you respect that, that has given you advice. And I, I don't think that you've, you've ever encountered somebody that you respect that you model yourself after who told you, you know what, Charlie, the secret to life is being wishy-washy. Always hedge your bets, <laughs> right? Don't let them know what you stand for. Uh, keep your uh, opinions close to yourself. Speak less, smile more. Yeah, exactly. You, you know where I'm going with that, right? And it, it, there is that dichotomy between Hamilton on the one hand and, and uh, Aaron Burr on the other, who said exactly what you just said. Like, you know, keep yourself, and, 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 you know, hidden. Don't, don't tell anybody where you are. You can always shapeshift as you please. And, and that's not a role model, right? Hamilton, by contrast certainly in the play, and in reality said, no, you have to show what you stand for. You have, if you don't stand for anything, what will you fall for? And that, that's a very nice line in the book, but it's, in the play, but it's actually what he said. And it's true. You cannot be wishy-washy. You cannot hide who you are and expect great things to happen in your life, okay? If you hold a wishy-washy personality, you will have a wishy-washy life. Okay? You will never achieve great things. Think about that, my friends, okay? Anybody who is truly somebody that you have admired, you admire them precisely because they have stood tall and stood true to their beliefs. That is the reason why you admire them. That's why you like them. That's why you want to be like them. And that's why you think when there's a problem in your life, you ask yourself, what would Charlie do? And you'd be right to ask that question. It's powerful, right? Stand up for who you are. Stand up for God. 
Stand up for conservatism. Stand up for America. Stand up for Israel. Stand up for Judaism and Christianity. Stand up for goodness. Stand up for goodness against evil. Recognize that there is evil in the world. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't be worried about business. Okay? You may lose a client or two, but you'll gain far more. God is in charge here. If you really believe in God, you know that God is really in charge. God does not demonize and punish and pummel people who truly embrace him. Have you noticed that, Ari? Yeah, other people might, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. And For some reason, you will come out of it clean. The more faith you have in God, the, the less you fear, the greater your life will be. So stand tall. You have nothing to lose and only to gain not only, not only the respect of others, but your own self-respect. All right, so I want to go into my next topic, which is something about consequences. Um, I, an observation, Ari, that I've noticed, you know, uh, over the many years that I've been on the planet, is that when, when liberals predict dire consequences, they never happen. You can take it to the bank. And let me guess, and when we predict dire consequences, we're always right. Correct. Oh, exactly. <laughs> wow, how novel. Now, you may say, well, come on, Barack, you, you know, that's such a nice, pithy statement. No, and, no, it's just true. It's just okay. true. Well, you know what? We're going to explain it. Okay, how about that? Okay. As we are wanting to do on the Barack Lurie podcast. Yeah, we're going to prove it for you. Yeah, we're going to prove you some, some proof, some consequences. All right. I, always, I like to start with Brexit, and it was interesting to me because, you know, you remember all the fanfare with Brexit if, you know, 2016 happened, it's going to be so hard to implement and we've got to do a negotiation. And if we don't do the negotiation, uh, we'll have airports all closed down and people will be lost and dogs and cats will be sleeping together and it'll be all bad, right? And it, they envisioned this horrific world. And then because of, you know, the circumstances where Boris Johnson finally comes in and Theresa May was not good and all those things. And then finally he did basically a, a snap elections and uh, the Conservative Party won overwhelmingly beyond belief because uh, they really wanted Brexit to happen. So they went with a hard exit. <laughs> January 31st, 31st of 2020, Brexit happened. And you know what? The world still turned. Yeah, I, I'm telling you. It, it, this just in. The sun rose in the east? Yes, in the east in the west? and still in the west. Wow. Yes. Okay. And it turns out everything's okay. The airports are functioning and everything else. And somehow they managed. Yeah. All, it was like Y2K. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Oh, good example. Y2K. <laughs> I just thought of that. It one. was, yeah. And, and, and nothing happened at all. And they don't talk about it. Of course they don't. Because it's embarrassing for them to now come come clean with their all their uh, consequences that never happened. No, nothing. And to come see face to now. face to yeah to account for it. They they don't have it. They cannot account for it. But it, it reminded me because you know you you can you can proof that in the pudding right away, can't you? Right. Okay. Well, let's see what happened because it's now it's past January thirty one, and you know we had a little bit of time after January thirty one before the COVID crisis hit. Because uh, you can't really blame that one way or the other, that, it, that somehow put things on pause. It did. We, we, we know right away that Brexit was not a, not a terrible thing. Hold on. It was so bad for that the it, liberals. That caused that they COVID. Were, no, <laughs> that they were, aren't even able to use the COVID crisis to blame on Brexit. <laughs> What a pity. What a pity. It's a good thing they didn't delay another two months. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, it would have happened during COVID. Anyway, so nothing happened. Okay, so, but it, it makes you think about other things that they predicted 
that would be so consequential. The, the, the number one thing comes to mind right away is the Trump election. Okay? When, when people said, oh my gosh, if this madman Trump becomes president, horrific things will happen. The stock market will collapse. Remember this. Yeah, Iran right? won't get its nuclear weapon. Women will take to the street wearing dumb hats. All sorts of terrible things are going to happen. <laughs> no, the back alley abortions, right? right. Uh, that, that all the uh, Mexicans in the country, legal or not, will be deported. Regardless right. no of whether... No one will be ever able to get a burrito again. Right, exactly. Right? Right. Terrible stuff. It'll all be racism. Yes. It'll be the most horrific thing that ever happened. And, uh, and of course, the unemployment will go terribly uh, you know, through the roof. And uh, we will go into some sort of war, for sure. Probably with China and Russia at the same time. So these are the things that they said. In Horrific. Fact, Russia and China will fight each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that didn't happen. All right, nothing of the sort. On the contrary, the stock market started roaring. The unemployment figures went way down. Uh, we, we put China on its heels, likewise with North Korea. Russia's been behaving like a good boy. Uh, great things happened with Israel, with the moving of the embassy and our relationship with the Israel, generally speaking. Good things happened. And all these consequences that they claim would happen, these horrific things, uh, and all the great uh, uh, momentum that happened with the Obama economy would be off or not because of Trump's arrival as president. On uh, the contrary, the economy is much, much better than it ever was. And now we see what really was going on. Okay, so that's another thing. It also reminds me of what they predicted when, uh, with welfare reform. Remember this with uh, Bill Clinton. So they said that, Bill Clinton himself said, if we reform welfare and restrict welfare the way that the Republicans want it, well, you're going to have people in the street. It's going to be horrific. Homeless, homelessness will rise, you know, a hundredfold. It will be crazy. You know, again, cats and dogs sleeping with each yeah. other. I only wonder why we never say, you know, if you elect Democrats, you're going to have homeless people everywhere. That would be, but <laughs> well, that's exactly politics right. There. Yeah, it's exactly right. So, but of course, that didn't happen. On the contrary, welfare reform was so successful that Bill Clinton got ahead of that parade and uh, in a claimed victory, and he said that he was the one behind it because, after all, he had to sign it into law. So that, that's a beautiful thing. Then uh, they talked about immigration. If we have any sort of restrictions on immigration, well, then, you know, people will be torn apart, families will be, to, you know, torn asunder, and uh, the whole economy will collapse. Okay, so... So the wall was built, and a lot of it at least, and a strong immigration reform happened. And on the contrary, good, good things happened to everyone. So that didn't work out. Um, and, and let's go in the way back machine when Democrats talked about slavery, when slavery was still around and Democrats were the strongest proponents of slavery. I know you don't believe that, uh, my, my Democrat friends, but in fact, that's what happened. Yeah, and in fact, they weren't just the strongest of pro proponents. They seem to have been the... <clears throat> Only proponents. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were the only people. But what who did liked they say? It. What they said that if we abolish slavery, well, gosh golly, I mean, you'll have all these people out on the streets, and uh, you know, black people—they don't know what to do with themselves, and they, it's the, their natural state to be slaves, and you know, it'll just destroy the country. Yeah, it let will. Me, let me use their rhetoric a little uh, more, more uh, forcefully. Let's see, concisely, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, those black people we made sure didn't know how to read and write. They don't know how to read and write. Who's going to take care of them? Exactly right. <laughs> right? No, they, they, the parade of horribles that they listed if you got rid of slavery was, you know, our whole, our whole economy, at least in the South, was premised on slavery. And so now you're going to have a collapsed economy. 
So that was their justification yes. for keeping slavery. It was exactly the same line of arguments for global warming or any other oh, disaster. I'll, I'll get to that. I know you'll get to that later. But I'm just saying, it's it's so amazing how people don't know that the Democrat Party hasn't changed a lick no, since 18... Not one bit. You know, not one bit. Likewise, when they, uh, you know, way after slavery, but still dur- during Jim Crow, in, you know, between 1900, let's say, and 1960, uh, they talked about you know the notion that uh, if you actually um, commingle blacks and whites together and allow them to marry each other and such like that, it would be the end of civilization. Um, and you had to have separate schools. You know who, who do you think proposed that? The Democrats or the Republicans? Go, Democrats. Democrats. You, you, oh, Democrats. That's right. So the whole separate but equal thing was crazy. That the, and the, the notion that you have to have black water fountains and white water fountains and black schools versus white schools. And all, all that stuff, they said if you mix them together, horrific things will happen. They were wrong. Again. All right? Uh, and then you have this, this notion of abortion, right? That, that somehow um, you need to have legalized abortion. And if you do so, then that will prevent... All these back alley abortions and great things will happen. And there uh, won't be any homeless poverty, want, need, right. there won't dislocation. Be any, yeah. Everyone yeah. There won't will be any have, crime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be a good thing because it'll be safe, legal, and rare, right? right. Okay. So the only thing that ended up being true is that it was legal. That was it. But the safe <laughs> part, not so much. The rare part, definitely not so much. And uh, their consequences were 100% wrong. The point is that. They, they believe these things and the consequences, they don't even understand their own consequences. Same thing with COVID, the, our response to COVID. They tell us that if we don't mask up, if we don't quarantine ourselves completely, then we will see, and, I, and I've been researching this for my book, then we will see 2.2 million people dead in America. Dead. Yeah. And only if we do the most restrictive uh, quarantining and everything else, far beyond what had actually happened, by the way. Then we might see only, only one point when one million people dead. Oh, dead. Okay. And that's yeah. why you have guys like Eric Garcetti inflaming the public saying, if you go out, you could be responsible for thousands yeah. of deaths. Yeah. Thousands. Did it happen? No, no. It did not. Okay. Then we have the AIDS crisis. Not so far ago. Right? Where... They said, and I remember this so vividly from college days and then from my law school days and my business school days, they were telling everyone, one out of every three of you will die or be infected at least with HIV AIDS. will die of AIDS. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, well, if I'm not gay, you're still going to die of AIDS. You know, they made it, they made it a non-gay issue and it's, uh, they, right. it was so PC. And they, they took had, the gay out of the gates. <laughs> Jeez Louise. So they, they had... Rhymes. So, so they, so they had you turn to your left and turn to your right if you were in a, you know, some sort of audience, and one of you three will die of AIDS, right? So, all right. So I thought, all right, so, so hold on. So you know, this is during the time of college, right? So, you, right. you know, sex is supposed to be rampant on college. Well, not so much at Stanford, by the way. I'm just telling you. It's, it's not that great an experience at Stanford. But... In, what do you in, have against that? The, the, the cooler schools like UCLA up. and uh, whatever, the party schools. Arizona State. That's, that's where you wanted to go. That's, Not that's, Stanford, Arizona <laughs> State. So anyway, so, so all this rampant sex is going on in college. And so you would expect one out of three people to, to be dead, right? It turns out not so much. In fact, not at all. You know, to this day, I still don't know a guy that is truly a heterosexual 
who didn't do intravenous drugs, at least, that uh, acquired the <laughs> HIV virus, right? Not one? Not one. Wow, Fauci's was wrong a little bit. I think just a little bit. The consequences were completely wrong, right? And then, of course, you've got global warming, the big one. Right now, that one is still to be seen, of course. Right, because it went from 13 years to four years to 12 years to eight That's years absurd. to nine years to 10 years to 100 years to 200 years, yep. to four years to two years to six months to whatever they're going to say it is tomorrow. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> so disgusting. That way, you'll never find out what it does. Yeah, we'll never know what it, it's. It's every answer is perfect answer. Yeah, but and we are time, we wait, are wait, wait, 13 wait. years out from 2007's inconvenient truth. So I think we've reached one of the benchmarks. Right. Oh no. It was, there was 2000, there was 1989 was the first benchmark. Yeah. And then somewhere in the 90s, another benchmark. And then 2000 was a benchmark. And then I know that 2011 was a benchmark. 2013 was a benchmark. 2015 was a benchmark. And I'm sure there's something about 2020. So, but, but each of them, of course, nothing, nothing yeah, of the sort ever happened. Yeah, we're two miles from the beach here. You and I have been sitting in this office since 2012, and we still haven't drowned. Right. So we're just wondering what's going on here. The, the difference between... So there are three movies when you think about it, right? There's Brexit, okay? That's a short movie, right? It's only a, a few months, you know, based upon the prediction that they made. And then you've got the COVID crisis, which is a little bit of a longer movie because, you know, who knows how long it'll last. Yeah, you know, they have an stuff. election to get to right. on that one. Right, yeah. but there will be an end and we'll be able to look back and say, okay, you guys were wrong. Yeah, it'll either end on November 4th, 2020 or January 20th, 2025. What are right. those two dates? Right, <laughs> and then you've got Dr. Zhivago and that's the global warming movie. It just goes on and on. And you wonder, you can evaluate, like, what happened in the beginning of this movie? What? But there's all sorts of milestones. Yeah, and you but everyone remember. tells you how beautiful it is. Yeah, but there will be an end to this movie. I promise you, says the, the director, right, David Lean. It, very interesting how it all plays out, right? Um, so um, that, that is the issue because you, you cannot go back on these movies. Eventually, you'll go back to these movies and you'll see that they were wrong in, in so many different places. Um, everywhere you, you went, there was... Wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, they were wrong about the, uh, the, the level of water rising. They were wrong about the level of, uh, you know, the, the masks wearing and everything else. They were wrong about, you know, the icebergs and the, the whatever, the polar bears, that, you know, dying, for, you know, for whatever reason, because of the global warming, of course, the melting ice. But, but we'll, there will be a reckoning. Of course there'll be a reckoning. But it'll be a quiet reckoning, as it always is. Look how quickly Brexit proved out to be a big nothing burger in terms of consequences. And do you think anyone's being held to account? Of course not. Yeah, they never remind you, hey, just so you know, nothing happened. Right. Sorry, don't listen to us next Right, time. and if they're not going to have a reckoning when it came to Brexit or to uh, welfare reform or to all the other things we yeah. talked about. The war on poverty. Right. You know. Yeah, good example. Yeah. That didn't happen. So uh, and then they're not going to have a reckoning on the COVID thing, and they certainly won't have a reckoning on the, on the global warming thing. On the contrary, they'll say if, if we somehow uh, you know, still exist, that the planet has not increased on its sea levels, by the year, let's say, 2050, they'll say, that's because we did all these great programs. And you'll say, what programs? And you'll say, you know, the programs. <laughs> and I, but I, I'm still not clear on what programs you're talking about, sir. Yeah, the, the thing that we did, the yeah, thing. Yeah, the ones we're still trying to try right, like communism. Right, right? exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's, anyway, so it's, it's all absurd, and they never have that reckoning. But when it comes to our consequences, our consequences, we are always 
Not sometimes, not most of the time, always right. When we say, for example, I don't know, that you should defund the, if you defund the police, bad things might happen. They say, that's absurd. Are you, what are you talking about? That, sure enough, crime rises, okay? Every, by the way, in the COVID situation, everyone said, well, one good thing about this COVID quarantine is that there'll be a dramatic decrease in crime. Okay, not so much. <laughs> no. It turns out <laughs> when you don't have enforcement, that crime goes up. I know it sounds weird. It may be even counterintuitive. But if you get rid of the police, crime goes up. I know. Who yeah. knew? And when you take young people and you keep them out of their jobs so they're poor and you close down all the schools so they don't know where to go, uh, the devil plays things with idle hands kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, exactly about, right. Exactly you know, there's right. There's some lyric from a uh, Morrissey song about that. <laughs> Morrissey. Right? I don't yeah. know. I know Morrissey, but I never followed him. Yeah. But you, you get the idea. So, uh, And then we, we, we said that if you have, you get rid of the court system, if you, do, if you get rid of bail, bail for yeah. example, I mean, Cash maybe bail. some bad things will happen as a result of that. If you release all the criminals from, from the jail system for whatever reason in order to, to diminish the possibility of COVID infections, for example, well, maybe bad things will happen as a result of that. Sure enough, bad things happen as a result. Yeah, of isn't that. that interesting? They release prisoners from jail because someone with a 20-year sentence may accidentally get the death penalty in jail from COVID. He gets released and then he gives the death penalty from a bullet to some innocent person who was keeping themselves safe from COVID. You're so right. Oh, so crazy. But if oh, we so could crazy. just said, save one life. <laughs> oh, you pesky <laughs> referrer of previous statements by one Andrew Cuomo. Uh, then we said, look, if you do ballot harvesting, that, that will lead to uh, more fraud. fraud. We said, if you, no. don't, if you don't require IDs, it might lead to more Fraud. No. If, you, if you have uh, mail-in voting and just demand everyone to do it and invite them to to, to mail-in fraud and uh, mail-in uh, voting, you're going to have more fraud. fraud. And it's going to happen. We are predicting that it'll be a massive amount more fraud than than it would have been. Now, God willing, Trump will win so much more than so that it won't even matter what the level of fraud is. But we don't want any fraud. Right. Right. It's 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 not a system that we want to have in play. No, of all the institutions, the left is trying to corrupt. That's the one you really don't want them corrupting. Even if you're a leftist, trust me, leftist. Right. You you don't want to go there. Well, and then they then we said, look, there's going to be a problem with abortion on demand. If you if you loosen restrictions on abortion so much so that you can have uh, an abortion at any time in a woman's pregnancy, even the day of birth or even after day birth, after. then uh, that we predict that bad things will happen. It's not a good thing. And sure enough, that's uh, horrific things that are happening. You have all sorts of fatherlessness issues. You do have uh, you know, all sorts of psychological issues associated with that. And it's hardly safe, legal, or rare. Any of those things, horrific stuff. It cannot be good for society to allow that kind of thing. And then, of course, it diminishes our, our view of life, generally speaking. If you are going to be that disconcerned about life in the womb, even that close up to birth, then why would you be suddenly considering a life one week later after birth to be somehow uh, sanctified, somehow a holy event? Why? why what's the difference? Just because yeah, the, the if, you, baby. if you consider life in the womb profane, by definition, life outside the womb is profane to you too, and we can see it at the Black Lives Matter riots in action. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Store owner, his life is now profane. You kill him. You know? Well, speaking about profanity and the consequences, the biggest one, and this is where we'll end it. We told you that a world without God 
would lead to very bad things. Oops. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it'll lead to more crime. It'll lead to more murder. It'll lead to more rapes. It'll lead to a lot more horrific things. It'll lead to worse people right. doing worse stuff more often. Ultimately, right? it leads to a collapse of civilization. We cannot continue this path. We have to bring God back into the equation. You don't have to believe in God. I don't know. But you have to respect the fact that, that God is the central glue to our civilization. God moves us forward. And uh, I would do everything you, you could that you can to embrace God in your life and to see him as the center of your life. If you do, uh, great things will happen. And you will see that civilization needs God in the equation. You don't have God, there is no civilization. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.